Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message, the antithesis of grumbling, joy, and thankfulness, was given by Pastor Nicholas Davies during our Sunday evening service on August 16th, 2020. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 1030, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and Wednesdays at 645. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message, and will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord God, just thank you for this day. We thank you for another time that we could come and gather as a local body of believers. Lord God, I pray that you would bless this time, that your word would be spoken on my own, Lord God, that uh, you would just begin to soften the hearts of people here, including myself, Lord, to your word, as we need that so much each and every day. Lord, humble us, convict us, draw us closer to you through this, and as we go out from here, Lord God, may you keep us safe and, and honoring to you and always say and do. Lord, we love you and we just praise you for all you've done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we started off this short series by defining a problem. We all have a problem. I have this problem. Most of you sitting in this room probably have this problem. That problem is grumbling. We all do it. We fall into this temptation to grumble. Instead of going to our loving Father that could take care of all of our needs. So tonight I called this the antithesis of grumbling because to be the antithesis of grumbling, we must be the exact opposite. And what is that? I believe that the scriptures tell us that is to be joyful and to be thankful. See, the problem with grumbling is that it takes the focus and trust away from God and places it on ourselves. We begin to grumble, we... Don't take into consideration that God might have us here to teach us something. Or that God might be doing something in this very moment for somebody else, and he's using it in your life to be able to minister to them. We tend to take that upon ourselves and think, I'm going to get over this, get through this, just going to complain while I do it. When grumbling is the ambient noise of your and my existence, we do not reflect Jesus the way that he would want us to reflect him to the world around us. Israel grumbled, right? We looked at that passage in in Exodus. They grumbled to Moses and Aaron, and yet their grumble rose higher. While they meant it to be towards man, it was heard by God. When we grumble, we do not take our problems to the feet of Jesus. We get our person of interest out of whack, and we focus instead on ourselves or on feeling better by hearing other people's poor circumstances. So the call last week was to not get the person of interest out of whack, to not use someone else's circumstances to comfort you, and to not cast your cares and burdens on him, and to actually cast your cares and burdens on him, being Jesus, on our, on our Heavenly Father, not on necessarily our neighbors. Now, don't get me wrong, it's okay, certainly, to take our concerns before brothers and sisters in Christ, you can also lift them up in prayer. But if that's all you're doing, and you're never really taking it up with the one who can solve those issues, or give you clarity in the midst of 
your trials and circumstances, then you're missing something. Amen. The call is to be joyful and to be thankful, and that's exactly what we're going to be looking at tonight. But real quick, a quick reminder of what last week's uh, main point was this. Give up the grumbling, confess to Christ, and confess Christ. Lay down those things which you can grumble about at the feet of Jesus, and share Jesus instead. Share Jesus with other people and pray to him, not Facebook, not your neighbor. So I believe that the opposite of grumbling, scripturally, is being joyful and being thankful. There's a lot in scripture to be thankful for. There's a lot to be joyful for. You may say, well, when there's something to be joyful and thankful about, then I'll be joyful and I'll be thankful. But Scripture has no room for this mindset. Scripture doesn't, scripture doesn't leave open that. Now, as Pastor G.J. talked about this morning in Ecclesiastes 3, there's certainly a time to mourn. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about complaining without recognizing that God is in control. You may say that there is nothing to be joyful and to be thankful about. But like I said, Scripture doesn't leave room for that. Scripture tells us there's a better way to do things. Scripture tells us there's a more joyful way of living. And that way is through Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's one truth I want you all, and myself even, to take away from today. It's that we can have joy in any circumstance we face. Good bad, we can find joy in Jesus. And it's because of Jesus that we can have joy. Whether you're dying in pain, in battles with family, in times of confusion, we can have joy. We can be thankful in the midst of all that because of what he has done for us. Today I want to start off by reading Philippians 4. So if you turn there with me, we're going to start off by reading the first seven verses of this chapter. Philippians 4, 1 through 7 says this, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, which Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts in mind through Christ Jesus. As we look at this passage, maybe a couple verses jump out to you, or maybe a couple words. One big one is rejoice. We see it twice in verse 4, and we're going to be getting into that in just a minute. But I want to start off by saying rejoice is seen nine times. The same word used in this passage is used nine times throughout the book of Philippians. So obviously this is something important that Paul wanted to drive home with these people. But before we get too deep into this passage, I want to give you a gospel reminder. I want to remind you of what the gospel is. 
Because if we don't start there, we might miss something. So let's start off with the gospel. We were created in God's image. Genesis 1 and 2. But in chapter 3, we broke our relationship with God, and that image has been tainted, and that we do not accurately reflect anymore, or properly act as ambassadors of God to the created world around us. Right? We're fallen, sinful creatures. This is obviously straying from what God wanted. Right? God created us in his image to have a perfect relationship with him, but he gave us the choice, and Adam and Eve chose to go against him. Romans 3.23 says, All of us have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the action, Romans 10.9 says, if thou, art, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's the gospel in just a few verses, right? Most of you, many of you, have accepted that already, have accepted Jesus as your, as your Savior. And that's awesome. So the next part is going to apply to you, but if you haven't, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, we have an invitation right after this, and I would encourage you to come forward and talk to myself or Pastor DJ about what it means to be saved. Because without the Without the salvation of Jesus, lasting joy is not there. Amen. And you will continue to struggle with grumbling. This next part does apply to you if you are a follower of Jesus. So if you've confessed Jesus as your Savior, he gives us the Spirit to help in our weakness so that we could be conformed to the image of his Son, Romans 8.29, Jesus, who is the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1.3. So now our mandate of behavior as believers is to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. But let me tell you to start off with that this very thing, the gospel, is the foundation and source of all true joy and thankfulness that you and I can ever have. We're not going to have any true or lasting joy if we do not know the Lord. As Pastor DJ talked about this morning, the, the things of this life really are, are fleeting. They, they're, they're not much. They're worthless unless you have Christ as Savior. Nothing lasts. So let's talk about having joy in the Lord. We're going to walk through this passage verse by verse. Uh, so let's go ahead and reread Philippians 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. In this very first verse, we see a call to stand fast in the Lord. If you look at the context leading up to this, Paul makes the argument that we are not citizens here. This is just a permanent home. Instead, we're citizens of heaven. So earth is like our Hilton or our Marriott. But it's, it's more like a shady, broken-down camper because it's not that nice, right? It's broken. It's tainted. It's, it's sin-filled. He says in the previous verses that there's people who are going to hear the gospel and they're going to walk away. There's people that are going to be militant towards the gospel, that are going to respond aggressively toward it, and that we are looking forward to something so much better than this sin-wrecked world. So he says, in the midst of that, keep the faith. Amen. Remain faithful to the end. Be obedient and represent Christ well. 
That's why he said, stand fast in the Lord. In verse 2 and 3, we see a, a call to these couple of people to remain in unity, to have unity. And now that's, that's something else that could certainly be preached on many, many more messages. Um, but we're not really getting into that tonight. But that's, that's where the passage goes with that. So we're going to skip down to verse 4, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. As I just said, this particular word for rejoice was used nine times in Philippians, so it's a very important part of this book. And anytime you see something repeated, know that it's probably really, really important. Really, really important. So Paul says, listen to me, rejoice. Are you hearing me? Rejoice always. Now Paul is, to give a little background, Paul's writing this particular letter to the Philippians from a, 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 jail, a jailhouse. Uh, in college, they, they, we, we called it the, the letter from the jailhouse. So Paul is in prison writing, saying, rejoice always. Seems a little crazy, right? If I was sitting in prison, that probably wouldn't be the very first place I would hope that it would be. I would hope that I would be able to rejoice if I was being persecuted for Christ. I hope and pray that that's something that you pray for, because we never know if that day is coming soon. Amen. But Paul says, in the midst of whatever you're going through, rejoice, have joy. Why? What's there to be joyous about? You're sitting in a, in a prison cell, Paul. And, and Philippians was going through trials of their own. Verse 5. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I want to hone in on that, on that particular part of the verse. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. The Lord is coming back. This is a reminder to the Philippians from Paul that Jesus Christ is going to return. Amen. The judgment day is coming that we're all going to stand and face. Remember, our citizenship is not in this world if you are a follower of Jesus. It is temporary. But we are to be here in this temporary world as witnesses of Jesus, as Christians that bear Christ's image on us as we go about our daily lives, wherever that might be. But knowing that this isn't all there is, and that as a saved child of God, we can look forward to an eternity where God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things will pass away. Revelation 21.4 We can rejoice in our trial now because we know what's coming in the future. While we don't know what's going on right now, we know for certainty, no matter what happens to us here, that we're going to be spending an eternity with Jesus in heaven. Verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So be careful here, and, and, and for nothing, it, it means to be anxious for nothing. Instead of responding to our trials and temptations with grumbling, anxieties. Typically when we have anxieties, we, what do we do? We, we post them. We start telling somebody else. I know I do it. I'm guilty of it. Things start not going my way. Start getting a little bit worried. Man, what am I going to do? Hey, so-and-so, what am, what am I going to do in this situation? What am I going to do if, if this happens? What about this? What about that? Instead of, Lord, will you just take control of the situation? 
Instead of posting on Facebook and airing out your grievances, pray. Instead of grumbling to someone about someone else's wrongdoing to you, pray. Take it to the Lord. Lay the anxieties of this world at His feet. And remember what He has given you. Be thankful. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you think for a second that grumbling is a better option than thankfulness and joy in the Lord, which we all do at times, whether or not we would say grumbling is better, when we step out and we grumble, and in that moment we are functionally believing that that would be better than taking it to the Lord. So if you think for a second that that's better, hear verse 7. It says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you do this, when you really actually take those burdens of this world and lay them at the feet of Jesus, when you pray, when you give thanks for what He has already done for you, God is going to give you peace in the midst of that. When you lay it all down and say, I'm letting it go to you, He's going to give you a peace. And this peace given to you is better than understanding. It surpasses understanding. Even to know all the details of why something happened, the way it did, why it created in your heart, maybe the hurt that it created in your heart, it doesn't even come close to the peace, even not knowing those things that can be given by Jesus. In this peace, when rested upon daily, will guard your heart and mind. Have you ever found yourself in a situation unprepared? I hate to be unprepared. I like to, to have everything nailed out to what I'm going to do. That can be a problem on vacation because on vacation, while I like to relax and not plan anything, my mind still jumps to, I need to plan something out to do because I can't just sit here all day. I need to know exactly what I'm going to do. But I found myself in many, many situations unprepared. We all will. It's not fun. Be prepared for the trials that you're going to face by submitting to him daily. Because when the storm comes, your heart and mind will not wander. Let me reread that. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we are daily prepared for the battle that we are going to face, you will function out of the promises that he has given to protect you. You will function in the peace he purchased for you by the blood of Jesus, rather than in the futility of your mind. God's peace is a shield around you and I. It's there for us to use. Why don't we, why don't we use it more? Why don't we tap into that peace that God has freely given to us? Because we can pick it up whenever we communicate with them, when we get into his word, when we spend time in prayer. So to be content in whatever situation we face because God is in us. Maybe you ask yourself, how can this be? Is this even possible? Can I, can I really have peace in any situation? Because I find myself being anxious all the time. Well, let me read you a little bit further down, starting in verse 11 of chapter 4. I believe I read this last Last week, I read one of these passages last week. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. 
I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. By the power of Christ in you, you are able to have peace in trial. How do you know that the power of Christ is in you? Ephesians 1.13 tells us that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit if you are a child of God, saved, a Christian, not by lip service, but by a changed heart. When Jesus Christ dwells in you in the Holy Spirit, you are sealed and you have the power of Christ in you. Now, how does that guarantee you joy despite what you face? Well, because of the outworking of the Holy Spirit within you. If you look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and for sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to flip there, but you're more than welcome to. We see the fruit of the Spirit, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and, and so on. Peace is a part of that as well. When we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we are able to have love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And so you can be sure that the power is there in the midst of trial, that grace has been given and fully supplied to you to be able to handle every joy-stealing trial you're going to face. Every time you're tempted to grumble, the power is there to not fall into that temptation. He gives us a way out. So let's talk about being joyous in trial. James 1, 2, if you want to turn there really quick, it's a pretty popular passage, if you will. James 1, 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Maybe you ask, is this a possible command to even keep? Count it joy when you fall into various temptations and various trials. For an example of joy and trial, I look at the life of Paul when he wrote what he wrote in Philippians 4, what I just read, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. It says, I know how to abound and be abased. I know how to be uh, in everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul, in, in another portion of Scripture, talks about being beaten and going through shipwrecks and, and, and going through all these crazy things that I, I could never even imagine one person having gone through. And yet he did. And yet he still says, rejoice always. Another great example is that the apostles suffered for the name of Jesus. In Acts 5.41 it says, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to sh suffer shame for his name. These men were beaten and they left rejoicing and remained faithful. Another passage in the New Testament talks about Christians sitting in prison and singing. How crazy is that to imagine? You have that power within you to be able to do that whenever you are tempted to grumble. There's no doubt that we're going to face trials and temptations. There is zero doubt in Scripture that we are told we are going to face trials. Jesus says, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. There's no doubt in Scripture that we are going to face trials and temptations. But we must have faith in the midst of that. We must remain steadfast in the Lord, as verse 1 says. 
And because we have the power of God dwelling in us, we do not have to fear. So we don't need to grumble. We don't need to grumble because we have a lot of good that God has given us. Peace, joy. Let's flip over real quick to Romans 8. I want to read this passage. I think this is another passage I've read recently. As I'm writing uh, Wednesday nights and, and Sunday nights, sometimes the, the truths of God's Word tend to jump from one to the other, and I see how they connect. Um, but this is a particular passage that certainly has a lot of encouragement from it, especially when it comes to our temptation to grumble. So Romans 8, 31 through 39 says this, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. How great is this, right? How incredible is that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And yet we, we think, I, myself included, that we have any room for grumbling. Do you remember what your Savior has done for you? Amen. Right? That's, that's why I wanted to revisit um, the gospel at the very beginning of this. Are you rooted in those truths that I was a sinner and Jesus pulled me out? Amen. I was dead where I was and Jesus saved me. The unclosable gap was closed. It was, it was breached. It was, it was fixed. It was mended by Jesus' blood. Do you really know that you are in Him? Do you really believe what He has said about you? Because when you and myself get perspective, our grumbling should cease. When we really look at the Scriptures and we really see what God has done for us, should, should give us some, uh, some perspective. That we have nothing to fear because God has already defeated anything that could kill the body. Money, it becomes so small when you see the majesty of who God is. When you understand that He owns it all. The anxiety and worry about money goes away. So how do we reflect this? We shouldn't grumble, right? We talked about that last week. We talked about why that's harmful. We touched a little bit on some application of what we ought to do. So let me give you a few things. Number one, be thankful. Back in that Philippians 4 passage, it says this in verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. A key factor in your peace comes from being thankful to our Lord and our Savior. If you don't know what to be thankful for, if you're sitting in your seat right now and you think, what do I have to be thankful for? 
I encourage you to pick up your Bible and read it. Because if you have been reading it and you still don't know, you're missing something. Because there's a lot in God's Word that He tells us about Himself, what He has done for us, for us to be thankful for. Scripture is full of the blessings that He gives us. Just simply, the free gift of salvation should be enough to fill your heart overabundantly with thanksgiving. Thankfulness is, is a characteristic of the believer that demonstrates humility. Someone who isn't thankful for what God has done or is doing probably isn't very humble. If you're blind to His workings, then thankfulness isn't going to come. Right? Because if we're thankful, we have to, we're, we're giving thanks to someone who has done something for us. But the lack of that shows I'm doing it on my own. To be able to say thank you to the Lord, you need to know what He's done. So you need to read His Word. And when you do, you're going to see what He's done for you. To the mature believer, look back on your life of what He's already done. Even, even just in my 24 years of living, I can look back, even in just the past six years, and see how much God has done in my life to change me from who I used to be. How much He has, he has spent time breaking down sinful habits that I had to lead me closer to Himself, or how He's gotten me through circumstances that I didn't think I could get through. So look back over your life as a Christian and say, this is where God has already shown up, and then praise Him for it. Have an attitude of thankfulness. Actually do it. And when you have this attitude of thankfulness, flowing from knowing the work that God is doing in you, for you and through you, watch how hard it's going to become to grumble. Watch how hard it'll be to grumble whenever you have a consistent attitude of thankfulness. The second thing is be gentle. Look at verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation here being meaning to be gentle, to be kind, or to be tolerant. When you have the opportunity to choose kindness, lovingness, or malicious words and grumbling, choose Jesus instead. Our words can be really, really vicious. James 3.6 tells us that. It says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Our tongue is powerful. It can be powerful for good, or it can be powerful for bad. Hopefully, that verse does not describe your tongue. Hopefully, it doesn't describe your witness. But if it does, again, we're going to have a time of invitation. You can come forward and confess that, or you can confess that in your seat. Or does the beginning of Proverbs 15.1 describe you? A soft answer turns away wrath. In the second half, but grievous words stir up anger. Where are you on that side of the Proverbs? Are your words gentle? Do they point back to Christ? Do they point to yourself? Do they point to problems? Our witness depends on our response to temptation to grumble. Be a good reflection of Jesus. That is our mandate. And the last thing is pray. Turn your temptation to sin into opportunity to glorify God. 
Again, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Turn your t- when, when you are tempted to grumble, when things just stop going the right way, as they will, turn that temptation to sin into an opportunity to glorify God. Turn it into an opportunity to point to Jesus. Because we all have people we come into contact with, right? Imagine you're going through a, 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 a situation, whatever that might be. And the person that you're about to grumble to, you start getting convicted. Maybe I shouldn't do that. You stop for a second, you pray. The person comes up to you and you say, hey, I heard, I heard X, Y, Z. Well, you know what? I just turned it over to the Lord. And I trust that he's going to get me through it. And in that, I'm going to find joy. And I'm going to have peace. Think of how much that points back to our Savior rather than pointing to ourselves. Posting on Facebook, it's not not worth it whenever we have a Savior, creator of the heavens and the earth, who we can communicate with. You can ask people to pray for you, and that's a good thing. By all means, don't mistake me when I say that at all. Posting posting on Facebook to, to gather other believers to pray for you in a time of need, is a good thing. It's an awesome tool that we have that many, many people haven't had. But if that's the only way that you're communicating with God, there might be something that you're missing. Let me remind you, you have a community of other like-minded believers right here, sitting around you in this building today. And close friends, I hope, that are believers that you can ask to pray for you. Facebook cannot ever replace a face-to-face fellowship. That's why we, we, we are seeking so hard to get back in this building together Amen. because Facebook can't replace it. It's a great tool. It's a good tool for everyone watching here tonight. It's amazing that you, you have the opportunity to be able to do this. But that's not, that's not the end. We have an opportunity to gather together. We should. Scripture makes it clear that we should. This is true especially when we're faced with the temptation to grumble. It's a lot easier to grumble in Facebook whenever you have Facebook on your phone. So instead, turn to Jesus and other believers that will point you to Jesus before you hop behind a keyboard. If you can pick up the phone and call someone that you know is going to pray for you in that very moment, that's probably preferable over a keyboard. 1 John 5.14, as we close up, in 15 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So tonight, as we we close up, the big takeaway is this. Whatever you face, small, big, minute, we have a God that will supply our need for peace. So instead of grumbling, be joyful in that. Take it to him in prayer. Be a gentle witness to the goodness of God. Give it over to Him. Whatever that trial, whatever that temptation is, whatever that moment of of you breaking is, give it over to Him and He will give you what you need. Whether that's a change of the situation or a change of the heart. Because sometimes the thing that's driving us mad or the thing that is a trial in our minds. We've just got bad perspective on it. 
And so instead of God changing the situation, maybe you just need a heart change. I know I've had those moments, and it's convicting. But either way, we are assured to have peace. We're going to turn this over to, to DJ to come up, and as we do that, uh, as we come up to close in song, if, if, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're here tonight, come forward. If you have something to confess to him, come forward and lay it at the feet of Jesus. If you're just struggling right now and you need him, come forward. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. He hears you. He loves you, and he wants to take those burdens off. Let's close in a word of prayer, and I'll turn it over. Lord God, we thank you for all you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. Lord, I know I've been convicted as, I, as I've gone through this myself, Lord, that I, too easily do I, crum, do I grumble whenever I'm crumbling. Lord God, I, I pray that as, as I'm just having a hard time, or whoever in this room might be having a hard time, whenever that might come, Lord, that you would comfort us, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would show us truth in your word to comfort us, to bring us joy and thanksgiving, even when it seems like to people in this world that we have nothing to be thankful for. Increase our witness so that we might be able to, to bring others into the knowledge of knowing your son, Jesus Christ, the Savior. Lord, it is the best thing, and if there's nothing else to be thankful for, we can at least be thankful for your son's blood that was shed for us so that we might have a life so we might be justified before you so that we could spend an eternity with you in heaven. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope that this has found you well and has made an impact on your life in the name of Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, Give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.